0: Fifth Chapter Thirteen of Ben Hur by Lew Wallace. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Thirteen. About three o'clock, speaking in a modern style, the program was concluded, except the chariot race. The editor, wisely considerate of the comfort of the people, chose that time for a recess. At once the vomitoria were thrown open, and all who could hasten to the portico outside, where the restauranteers had their quarters. Those who remained yawned, talked, gossiped, consulted their tablets, and all distinctions else forgotten merged into but two classes—the winners, who were happy, and the losers, who were grum and captious. Now, however, a third class of spectators, composed of citizens who desired only to witness the chariot race— availed themselves of the recess to come in and take their reserved seats. By doing so they thought to attract the least attention and give the least offence. Among these were Simonides and his party, whose places were in the vicinity of the main entrance on the north side, opposite the consul. As the four stout servants carried the merchant into his chair up the aisle, curiosity was much excited. Presently some one called his name. Those about caught it and passed it on, along the benches to the west, and there was hurried climbing on seats to get sight of the man about whom common report had coined and put in circulation a romance so mixed of good fortune and bad that the like had never been known or heard of before ilderim was also recognized and warmly greeted but nobody knew balthasar or the two women who followed him closely veiled the people made way for the party respectfully and the ushers seated them in easy speaking distance of each other down by the balustrade overlooking the arena in providence of comfort they sat upon cushions and had stools for foot-rests. The women were Eras and Esther. Upon being seated, the latter cast a frightened look over the circus, and drew the veil closer about her face, while the Egyptian, letting her veil fall upon her shoulders, gave herself to view, and gazed at the scene with the seeming unconsciousness of being stared at, which, in a woman, is usually the result of long social habitude. The newcomers generally were yet making their first examination of the great spectacle, beginning with the consul and his attendants, when some workmen ran in and commenced to stretch a chalked rope across the arena from balcony to balcony in front of the pillars of the first goal. About the same time, also six men came in through the Porta Pompeii and took post, one in front of each occupied stall, whereat there was a prolonged hum of voices in every quarter. See, si, see. Si. The green goes to number four on the right. The Athenian is there. Ah, Messala, yes, he's in number two. The Corinthian, watch the white. See, he crosses over. He stops. Number one, it is. Number one on the left. No, the black stops there, and the white number two. So it is. These gatekeepers, it should be understood, were dressed in tunics coloured like those of the competing charioteers so when they took their stations everybody knew the particular stall in which his favourite was at that, that moment waiting did you ever see messala the egyptian asked esther the jewess shuddered as she answered no if not her father's enemy the roman was ben-hur's he is as beautiful as apollo as iras spoke her large eyes brightened and she shook her jewelled fan esther looked at her with the thought is he then so much handsomer than ben-hur next moment she heard ilderim say to her father yes his stall is number two on the left of the porta pompe and thinking it was of ben-hur he spoke her eyes turned that way taking but the briefest glance at the wattled face of the gate she drew the veil closed and muttered a little prayer presently sanballat came to the party i am just from the stalls o sheikh he said bowing gravely to ilderim who began combing his beard while his eyes glittered with eager inquiry the horses are in perfect condition Ilderim replied simply, If they are beaten, I pray it be by some other than Masala. Turning to Simonides, Sanballat drew out a tablet, saying, I bring you also something of interest. I reported, you will remember, the wager concluded with Masala last night, and stated that I left another which, if taken, was to be delivered to me in writing to-day, before the race began. Here it is. Simonides took the tablet and read the memorandum carefully. Yes, he said. Their emissary came to ask me if you had so much money with me. Keep the tablet close. If you lose, you know where to come. If you win, ah, friend, see to it. See the signers escape not. Hold them to the last shekel. That is what they would do with us. Trust me, replied the purveyor. Will you not sit with us? asked Simonides. You are very good, the other returned. But if I leave the consul, young Rome yonder will boil over. Peace to you, peace to all. At length the recess came to an end. The trumpeters blew a call at which the absentees rushed back to their places. At the same time some attendants appeared in the arena. The trumpeters blew a call at which the absentees rushed back to their places. At the same time some attendants appeared in the arena. And climbing upon the division wall, went to an entablature near the second goal at the west end, and placed upon it seven wooden balls. Then, returning to the first goal, upon an entablature there, they set up seven other pieces of wood hewn to represent dolphins. What shall they do with the balls and fishes, O sheikh? asked Balthasar. Hast thou never attended a race? Never before, and hardly know I why I am here. Well, they are to keep the count at the end of each round run thou shalt see one ball and one fish taken down the preparations were now complete and presently a trumpeter in gaudy uniform arose by the editor ready to blow the signal of commencement promptly at his order straight away the stir of the people and the hum of their conversation died away every face near by and every face in the lessening perspective turned to the east as all eyes settled upon the gates of the six stalls which shut in the competitors the unusual flush upon his face gave proof that even Simonides had caught the universal excitement. Eldering pulled his beard fast and furious. "'Look now for the Roman,' said the fair Egyptian to Esther, who did not hear her, for, with close-drawn veil and beating heart, she sat watching for Ben-Hur. The structure containing the stalls, it should be observed, was in form of the segment of a circle, retired on the right so that its central point was projected forward, and midway the course— on the starting side of the first goal. Every stall, consequently, was equally distant from the starting line or chalked rope above mentioned. The trumpet sounded short and sharp, whereupon the starters, one for each chariot, leaped down from behind the pillars of the goal, ready to give assistance if any of the fours proved unmanageable. Again the trumpet blew, and simultaneously the gatekeepers threw the stalls open first appeared the mounted attendants of the charioteers, five in all, Ben-Hur having rejected the service. The chalk line was lowered to let them pass, then raised again. They were beautifully mounted, yet scarcely observed, as they rode forward, for all the time the trampling of eager horses, and the voices of drivers scarcely less eager, were heard behind in the stalls, so that one might not look away an instant from the gaping doors." the chalk line up again the gatekeepers called their men instantly the ushers on the balcony waved their hands and shouted with all their strength down down as well have whistled to stay a storm forth from each stall like missiles in a volley from so many great guns rushed the six fours and up the vast assemblage rose electrified and irrepressible and leaping upon the benches filled the circus and the air above it with yells and screams this was the time for which they had so patiently waited this the moment of supreme interest treasured up in talk and dreams since the proclamation of the games he has come there look cried iras pointing to Masala. i see him answered esther looking at ben-hur the veil was withdrawn for an instant the little jewess was brave an idea of the joy there is in doing a heroic deed under the eyes of a multitude came to her as she understood ever after how at such times the souls of men in the frenzy of performance laugh at death or forget it utterly the competitors were now under view from nearly every part of the circus yet the race was not begun they had first to make the chalk line successfully the line was stretched for the purpose of equalizing the start if it were dashed upon discomfiture of man and horses might be apprehended on the other hand to approach it timidly was to incur the hazard of being thrown behind in the beginning of the race and that was certain forfeit of the great advantage always striven for the position next the division wall on the inner line of the course this trial its perils and consequences the spectators knew thoroughly and if the opinion of old nestor uttered that time he handed the reins to his son were true it is not strength but art obtained the prize and to be swift is less than to be wise all on the benches might well look for warning of the winner now to be given, justifying the interest with which they breathlessly watched for the result. The arena swam in a dazzle of light, yet each driver looked first thing for the rope, then for the coveted inner line. So all six aiming at the same point and speeding furiously. A collision seemed inevitable, nor that merely. What if the editor, at the last moment, dissatisfied at the start, should withhold the signal to drop the rope or if he should not give it in time the crossing was about two hundred and fifty feet in width quick the eye steady the hand unerring the judgment required if now one look away or his mind wander or a rein slip and what attraction in the assemble of thousands over the spreading balcony calculating upon the natural impulse to give one glance just one in sooth of curiosity or vanity malice might be there with an artifice while friendship and love did they serve the same result might be as deadly as malice the divine last touch in perfecting the beautiful is animation can we accept the saying then these latter days so tame and pastime and dull in sports have scarcely anything to compare to the spectacle offered by the six contestants let the reader try to fancy it let him first look down upon the arena and see it glistening in its frame of dull grey granite walls let him then in this perfect field see the chariots light of wheel very graceful and ornate as paint and burnishing can make them Masalas rich with ivory and gold let him see the drivers erect and statuesque undisturbed by the motion of the cars their limbs naked and fresh and ruddy with the healthful polish of the baths in their right hands goads suggestive of torture dreadful to the thought in their left hands held in careful separation and high that they might not interfere with view of the steeds the reins passing taut from the four ends of the carriage poles let him see the fours chosen for beauty as well as speed let him see them in magnificent action their masters not more conscious of the situation and all that is asked and hoped from them their heads tossing nostrils in play now distant now contracted limbs too dainty for the sand which they touch but to spurn limbs splendor yet with impact crushing as hammers every muscle of the rounded body's instinct with glorious life swelling diminishing justifying the world in taking from them its ultimate measure of force finally along with chariots drivers horses let the reader see the accompanying shadows fly and with such distinctness as the picture comes he may share the satisfaction and deeper pleasure of those to whom it was a thrilling fact not a feeble fancy every age has its plenty of sorrows heaven help where there are no pleasures the competitors having started each on the shortest line for the position next to the wall yielding would be like giving up the race and who dared yield it is not in common nature to change a purpose in mid-career and the cries of encouragement from the balcony were indistinguishable and indescribable a roar which had the same effect upon all the drivers the fours neared the rope together. Then the trumpeter by the editor's side blew a signal vigorously. Twenty feet away it was not heard. Seeing the action, however, the judges dropped the rope, and not an instant too soon, for the hoof of one of Masala's horses struck it as it fell. Nothing daunted, the Roman shook out his long lash, loosed the reins, leaned forward, and with a triumphant shout took the wall. Jove with us! Jove with us! yelled all the roman faction in a frenzy of delight as messala turned in the bronze lion's head at the end of his axle caught the foreleg of the athenian's right-hand tracemate flinging the brute over against its yoke-fellow both staggered struggled and lost their headway the ushers had their will at least in part the thousands held their breath with horror only up to where the consul sat was there shouting jove with us screamed drusus frantically he wins. Jove, with us! Answered his associates, seeing Masala speed on, tablet in hand. Sunballat turned to them. A crash from the course below stopped his speech, and he could not but look that way. Masala having passed, the Corinthian was the only contestant on the Athenian's right, and to that side the latter tried to turn his broken fore. And then, as ill fortune would have it. The wheel of the Byzantine, who was next on the left, struck the tailpiece of his chariot, knocking his feet from under him. There was a crash, a scream of rage and fear, and the unfortunate Cleanthes fell under the hoofs of his own steeds, a terrible sight, against which Esther covered her eyes. On swept the Corinthian, on the Byzantine, on the Sidonian. Sunballat looked for Ben-Hur, and turned again to Drusus and his coterie. "'A hundred sesterte on the Jew!' he cried taken answered drusus another hundred on the jew shouted sanballat nobody appeared to hear him he called again the situation below was too absorbing and they were too busy shouting masala masala Joe, with us when the jewess ventured to look again a party of workmen were removing the horses and broken car another party were taking off the man himself and every bench upon which there was Greek was a vocal with execrations and prayers for vengeance. Suddenly she dropped her hands. Ben-Hur, unhurt, was to the front, coursing freely forward along with the Roman. Behind them, in a group, followed the Sidonian, the Corinthian, and the Byzantine. The race was on, the souls of the racers were in it. Over them bent the myriads. End of chapter 13